Hello everyone and welcome to the second in this season of the At Home Gurus podcast. Um, it's, like I say, week two of the Premier League. Um, we were the early kickoff on Saturday afternoon. This is just my look back on what happened then. Um, what we'll talk about today, so we'll talk about the lineup and the game. Um, then we're going to go on to how bad um, BT Sport are and the choice of RVP as a pundit. We've got. I'm going to talk a little bit about Sean Dice and his pre and post game attitudes. Um, we're going to have a little look and talk about how good is Sebalos or Sebao and can we keep him? Um, does Mesa Ozil get into this team? Um, how good was Pepe and? The week on Saturday morning, is he going to be? What sort of player is he going to be? And predictions for the Liverpool game. That's all coming up in today's episode. So the line was um, was what was expected, I guess. Um, considering what's happened pre-season and last week, and the fact that Kalasnat and Ozil still. Um, with the threat about over them, not in terms of the pitch, but in real life, um, and you know what um, Emery was saying midweek. This was exactly what we was expecting, wasn't it? Really, um, he's still giving you the chance with Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, and Aisley Maitland-Niles in the team, which I'm really liking. Willock playing a really good. He's 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 a tidy, decent midfielder, you know, and um, he's got. He's got all the attributes uh, to make it in the Premier League and at Ar- not just in the Premier League, but at Arsenal. And that's good to see. I think the other two have got decent futures as well. Reese Nelson, um, you could see that he's benefited from last year on loan in Germany. And as Niles is still coming on leaps and bounds when you consider he's playing in a position that is not his favourite place. Um, you know, um, keeping Pepe... On the bench, we we all, I I thought that um, David Luiz and Pepe would start uh, at home with it being the first home game of the season. But he's obviously trying to ease Pepe in, especially maybe because of the whole transfer fee. Um, but um, Ceballo, uh and Luiz playing in their first home game of the season, both of them, you could tell, made a big a, a big difference. Um, Louise is getting used to his defending, uh, his surroundings, I should say, at a new club. Um, but him and Socrates together look look really good. Um, I know it was only against Burnley, but Burnley were there to give him a rough time. And um, they looked good for most of it, you know. Um, there were still some defensive mistakes. Um, but you know that that that's always going to happen, especially against like I said, you know we haven't we haven't completely sorted that area out. Um, but the inclusion of David Luiz as is going to make a big difference, and if not only for his defensive ability, but his the 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 ability to split the defence of the opposition with some of his range of passing. Um, that's just going to be invaluable for us. And you look at the way Aubameyang is now reacting to him, um, you can see that that's always going to be a game plan. I still think that maybe when Holding comes back, it'll be Holding Socrates in um, centre-halves, might even go as a three. And 
which case it will be holding um, Socrates and Louise. If not, he might even play Louise as a, as a, a holding midfielder. Um, because just because of his range of passes is, is brilliant and you know maybe his defensive duties aren't quite up to scratch as a, as a top draw centre back but you know that might be something in in in, in future but then if you do that you're going to lose Ceballos um um you know we'll get on to him later on it's one of the it's one of the final points I want to pick up on but um if you're going to drop him you know this kid is is going to be a world beater so um I don't know. I don't know if that will happen this season, but maybe next season if we don't get him permanently. Um, but overall, in terms of the match and the lineup, absolutely, you know, I, th- I thought it was probably the best lineup we could have had because you've got to keep the momentum going from for the Newcastle game. And you know, yes, we we conceded a goal. Um, it was a bit of a sloppy goal, um, but we scored two decent goals. Lacazette's finish was nice and tidy, considering where. He, he was on the you know on the pitch. He'd fallen on the deck and managed to squeeze it through the goalkeeper's legs. So you know he's, this is what Lacazette is all about. He is a top draw goal poacher, and he can he's he's he just finishes. He just knows where the goal is. He's, he's in that respect. He's he's like Ian Wright. Um, I'm not comparing his all around game to him, but he's just a goal poacher who knows where the goal is, and the team seems to be gelling. Um, and when you consider you've got Kieran Tierney to come back to come in, you've got Pepe to start making starts. It, it's looking rosy, um, and that's a, that was a I think the, the, um, a good performance for a second game of the season against Burnley. Who won their first game, they're up for it. Um, the horrible little piece of whatever it is you want to call him up front in um, Barnes. Um, they did their best to ruffle and rough us up, but we rode it out for the majority of it and we come away with a win and that's all you can ask for. Right, so in this segment, I want to talk about BT Sport and in particular, Jake Humphreys, the, the fact that he can't stand... The, the whole... Uh, the, the whole of BT Sport, it feels like to an Arsenal supporter looking in that they that they are biased towards Arsenal in that they don't like them. Um, it just feels really awkward and odd and they, they seem to treat or the language they use is like Arsenal are some kind of plucky mid-table team like the underdogs that have got an FA Cup tie against giant you know the Premier League giants of Burnley. They use teams like oh, the terms like oh Arsenal or Burnley's bogey team. Now you know Sean Dyke hasn't got a point off of us. Um, so in that respect, they are a bogey team. But you you only use bogey team um, for a team like I say that are, are, are lower down that you play every now and again. They oh watch out, these are our bogey team. I don't. It just feels it just feels like BT Sport are geared up to try and um, mock Arsenal because they use a lot of they use a lot of social media as well, and I think that's part of the problem. I think that BT Sport know that Arsenal have got a very vocal and very mobilised group on Twitter, and if you the best way of doing getting anywhere with them is you trigger the, the fan base. I'm doing it now. Um, 
because it's you know you'll get bombarded with tweets, phone calls, messages, whatever, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, you know, it it just feel, it just feels weird to me. It just feels weird. Jake, Jake, it feels like Jake Humphries can't stand it when Arsenal win and absolutely loves an Arsenal loss. I know he doesn't support them. I know he. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a Norwich fan, so he hasn't got any skin in the, skin in the game when it comes to Arsenal Burnley. But I just think he. I just think he loves the fact, like, I, I tell you what, I tell you, here's an example. We've got RVP on there as a as a um, pundit, right? Um, we'll come we'll come back to the main point on RVP in a minute, okay? But they've got him on there, and he starts saying, "Oh, um, uh, for those of you who didn't see it, he was saying that um, managers, coaches shouldn't dance around on the touchline. It makes no difference." I don't know what Unai Emery is doing there. He's just, it's just for show. He doesn't do anything. Yet Pep Guardiola, they'll turn around and say, look at him. He's amazing. He's coaching for the sidelines. He's keeping on it. He's playing. He's making sure their performance levels don't drop. Yet when it comes to Arsenal, it's histrionics and um, just for the camera. And it's to make a dif- it, it doesn't make a difference. It only, it, it's only to, to, for the fans, for show. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm not comparing Unai Emery and Pep Guardiola, right? For a start, Pep Guardiola only ever manages clubs with massive amounts of money. So it's easy to coach top draw players who just go out and say, right, do what you keep on doing. But but the, the fact that they both do actions on the touchline where they try and cajole the team and if you if you actually watch um Unai and right, what he's he's always talking to his defence, he's always telling them when to go forward, when to hold. He's he's Hopefully he's getting to the point where he won't actually need to do that, and that's what he's doing. He's coaching them mid during the game, so at some point they will already know when to do it. But sometimes it's not in your head, you know, like um, Dixon, Adams, Bowl, Winterburn. They'll tell you that they spent days on the training ground just walking around, and George Graham with a ball would just go around and run. What? Where will you need to be when the ball's here? Where will you be when this ball ball here? If he's over here with the the full back. Where does my centre back need to be, Tony? Where do you need to be if Lee Dixon's here? That's what he did in the training ground. Now maybe they they should do that there, but he's doing it during the game as well, Unai Emery. But BT Sport don't like that unless you're Pep Guardiola. That's what it feels to me that Arsenal can't do right for doing wrong. But let's go back to the booking of RVP. The only thing that stopped Jake. Humphreys from climbing up his backside with the cameras being on. RVP didn't wasn't for me a great pundit. It was a, it was a bizarre booking to get him on, um, and to get his first one down at, at Arsenal was a was a weird choice um, because of the way he left the club. You know, and he was talking about being married and marriage and um, the fact that Arsenal didn't offer him a new contract. And not once did Jake Humphreys go to his tweet where he said that he was offered a new contract and wasn't going to sign it. He didn't know where the club was going. He was lying. He was lying then. He's, he's prone to walk off. And I'm surprised he didn't get injured getting up and down out of his seat at half-time. Um, just a terrible budget TV programme, TV channel. Um, who forget that football is around, was around before BT Sport even started and before the Premier League even started. Um, so from now on, if Arsenal are on BT Sport, well, they will be in the Europa League 
and whatnot. Um, and I can't get to the match. I will not be watching the BT Sport. I will literally just be watching the, the half of football, turn it off at the end, then watching the half of football. I won't be watching all the preamble and all that sort of nonsense. I can't be doing it anymore. I think we should all try and beat. Um, we should all try and block them as much as possible, like talk sport. So, on to Sean Dyche. Sean Dyke, or I don't know how you pronounce his name, to be honest, he's been in football for so long a year, everyone changed their names, like Sir Alex Ferguson, people call him Alec, people call him Alex, I don't know what it is, is it? Yep, so I'm going with Sean Dyche. He's a strange man. He's a, he's a man's man, obviously, and he's a football man, and he's all like that. You know, we come down here and we go to Arsenal and, you know, we don't get a rub of the green and and all that. He's very much like that and he's what you would class as old school football. Um, I would have thought that his time or his type of manager's time has come to an end in football but obviously not. He's still getting the job done. Um, I lump him in with your Tony Pulises, your Steve Bruce's, all that sort of stuff. Not progressive. They're not particularly adventurous as managers, but they get a job done, they keep a team where they're supposed to be. Look, Burnley are doing brilliantly to be in the Premier League, let's not lie. But at the end of the day, all they've got to do is be not as bad as three other teams and they'll be all right. Burnley are only looking to stay in the Premier League now. And this is where football has changed. You know, they're not worried about going on cup runs for the FA Cup or League Cup. They have one brilliant, but that's not what they're after. They want to be in the Premier League and that's all it's all about. They're not worried about top six. They don't really want Europe. They don't want to be fighting a relegation battle every week. They just want to be in the mid-table. And that's where Burnley are, and that's great, and good luck to them. Right? Um, he sticks to his 4-4-2, Sean Dice, which is fine. But if you look at his players, they're all the same type. Like, it's why I put him when he gets to Tony Pulis's. They battle hard. They've got a bit of skill. There are some good players there. But it's all about um, roughing the opposition up. Arms, elbows, digs. Proper centre forward play, you know, where you get stuck into your defender and you leave one on him first thing in the mark so he knows you're there, all that sort of stuff. And yet, before the game, Dyke is on there, Dice is on there, banging on about VAR. Well, VAR will sort out where we are, we're against these sort of teams now, you know, we'll get some of the decisions that we shouldn't have got before. Yeah, but it'll also pick out your players' roughhousing and play-acting and fall, falling over, which is ironic because he accused Arsenal of falling over. Now, they will use strong-arm tactics that are within the laws of the game. They're not having a go at that. They're, they're there and you can, you, can do, you can use them. But he, he, he complains about players going down and rolling around and everything, but your players are sticking one on them and leaving this and leaving that. So they're just... They're using it to their advantage. If you're going to go up with an elbow, like the way David Luiz free kick, for instance, right at the end of the game, okay, he deserved his yellow card. He wasn't looking at the boys, looking at the player, but he's probably had enough of being given a dig in the ribs every five minutes, every time the ball's been going up. He's thinking it's 25 minutes into the game, I'm not going to get a red card here, I'm just going to get a yellow, I'm going to give him a whack as well. We'll have one back, shall we? Um, it's annoying. It's annoying that people like Dice resort to this um, because 
uh, I don't know, it's just... Football's moved on from when he, when he was a player. Football's moved on from when he was first a manager, for instance. And most teams now get the ball on the floor and play football and make it more attractive. And I guess I'm just... I just lump him in with the Allardyces and stuff. And I think um, even Mourinho, they used to sing it in Ginger Mourinho. You know, the fact that he, the, the footballers passed Mourinho by, it surely should have left Dice behind by now. But he gets the job done. Um, his players aren't very particularly pleasant players to watch. But Burnley fans are loving the fact they're in the Premier League. So I guess good luck to him. It's just, um, I don't like the way he comes out and blames everyone but Jesus and himself for why his team would have lost a game. Now, this is where I go into one. Mesut Ozil is my current favourite technical player in the Premier League. I think when he's on it, when he feels loved, whatever you want to call it, when he feels at home, when he's got his place on the pitch and he knows he's got players around him and whatnot, he is our technical best player or our best technical player. He is a magician with the ball at his feet. His control is top draw. His range of passing is amazing. He, honestly, there's probably the only thing he doesn't do is score enough goals, right? But does he get in this team? I genuinely don't know. Um, I would say yes, um, but it would it, that would be because of my leanings. You've, you know, my, my picture is of Mesut Ozil. I've got Ozil on my shirt. I, I, like I said, I think he's a great footballer. Um, I would probably put him... I would go four, three, one, two. I'd have Leno in goal. Leno's turned into a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, you know, I'd have... When, when, when everyone's fit, you'd have Bellerin at right-back. Louise holding off Socrates at centre-half. Tierney at left-back. I'd have Ceballo, Torreira and Lazy mate Niles in midfield. Um, I'd have Ozil in front of those two, and then I'd have Lacazette and Aubameyang in front of him. I just think that, that that that's got your core in it, which is good enough. You can drop to three at the back and put Louise into the middle. Um, you got which would then split. So you'd have two um Torreira, Azumet, Niles, Ceballo in the middle in front of Ozil. Still, you can push Ozil over to the left and go four four two if you wanted. If you really wanted to, you'd lose him a little bit, but. I think you've got to try. I think you've got to try with these players that we've got. You've got to try um, and fit Ozil into that team, and eventually you get you get Pepe in instead of Angie Mate and Niles. But just at the moment, I put AMN in front of him just because you know the experience and whatnot. I think he deserves his chance up there, um, and that's and, I, and that's what I would do just to get to um, Ozil into the team because I just think you, if you've got Sabayo. And Torreira feeding Ozil and Ozil looking up to seeing Aubameyang and Lacazette. We didn't get to see enough of it last year, and I really think that's what we need. You need Ozil behind the two of them in the hole, the Dennis Bergkamp type role, where he can spread balls around. He doesn't have to defend. Um, he doesn't have to do all the tracking back if he doesn't want to. I think you have to say to him as Ozil, don't worry about that. We'll do all that for you. It's a bit of a luxury, but I think, especially at home, you can afford to do it. And this brings me on to the next bit. Is the reason we can afford to do that this year is Danny Ceballo. What a player! He he looks hard. If you want, 
Um, but fair, he's got that nasty snipe about him. He's quality on the ball. He doesn't give up. He fights for everything. He's got a good range of passing. I mean, I don't know what our chances are of signing him, but I genuinely, I don't I don't know if Real Madrid will let him go. I think um, we've done well just to get him on loan. But I would go. I would be working behind the scenes already just after that game. Get him in. Get the lad in. Give, if they need a player. I don't know who they'd need, but you know, exchange a sell-on clause, whatever it takes. I just think that this lad is some player, and he's going to be world class if he stays injury-free, which will be hard considering the position he plays in and the way he plays. Looking at him yesterday for the full match, he looks like he's wearing a number eight shirt. He looks like a cross between Jack and Aaron. We've got it in one player. You know, it's the first time in a long time we've had. If he can stay fit, it's the first time in a long time we've got someone in that position that will get games, goals, assists, everything you'll you'll need. You know, and Madrid obviously rate him highly enough, so he's got to be some sort of a player. Um, I would do everything I could to get him to come and sign for us on a permanent deal. Uh, I think you're looking at anywhere north of fifty million pounds. Um, to get him in, but I think I would genuinely I would think um, that you've got to get him in there, um, but that also sort of segues if you like into Pepe. Um, I was talking about fight and desire of that with Sabayo, and I think that Pepe started to show when he came on. He showed he had bits of that. Um, the turn of nutmeg on me was just fantastic because he didn't even he didn't even really leave the ball. It's like he passed it. It's like he went through him. He phased through him almost. It was like he wasn't even there. He just sort of breezed through him and away he was gone. And the speed, you know, there was a couple of times in the second half in, in, uh, after that movement when um, his final ball could have been better. He looked like he'd under hit a couple of balls. I think he wasn't used to the. You know, he's got to get that into his system. I also think as well, that we saw for the first time this weekend, it was a dodgy Emirates pitch. It didn't look, it was looked like it was cutting up, which was a bit weird. You don't normally see that, uh, especially first weekend of the season. And I don't think maybe that helped him, but honestly, um, he needs to learn when, when to release the ball and how hard to release it. That was what was letting him down at the weekend, Pepe. He'd only come on. You know, so maybe if he's playing from the start, that that will change. But he's definitely not short of confidence. He's got some skill there. You know, when I say release the ball, there was a time when he, he after it was when he did the nutmeg and he ran and he ran into um another player and rather than trying to lay it off, he was trying to hold it up and the Burnley centre halves and whatnot. They'll they'll just knock you off the ball. It's not a problem. You know, not to them. They're, they're big, muscular, strong guys. I mentioned before. Um, so he's got to learn when he can dribble, when he's got a pass, when he can hold it up. But that will come. Um, and like I say, he's not sure of confidence, so he's going to keep trying. And it will be interesting to see him um, get full mats under his belt. Um, whether or not that will be against Liverpool next week, I don't think so. He might start against Spurs. Um, but it's going to be interesting to watch him progress. So that brings us on to Liverpool predictions. Um, listen, we've got the squad 
to take points off them. I don't know if we can beat them up there. We've not been bad. You know, we've been bad under Klopp. The, 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 the Klopp era Liverpool have, um, at Anfield have managed to turn us over every time, I think. But before that, we didn't have a, a, a too bad a record up there. Like I say, we've got the squad. If he picks the right squad, we have got the squad to take points off him. I think a draw uh, Anfield at the moment is, is, is no bad thing. Um, it's like last year against Chelsea. It's come too early in the season, especially with Spurs the week after. Um, but also, we're going to be riding our confidence a little bit, so maybe maybe that might help us out. Will we see Pepe? I don't know. Um, I think he'll probably start with the same team or go a bit more defensively um, away. I, I would imagine he'd probably go 4-5-1 uh, and play Lacazette up front on his own in this game. I think to try and stop any kind of hammering like we had last season. Um, I definitely think it'll be much tighter. If I'm honest, it's probably going to be 2-1 Liverpool. Um, because I just don't see him, don't see us stopping them scoring. To be, if I'm absolutely honest with you, but I also think that we've got enough to to get past their defence this time, which we didn't have last time. If he plays Pep, if he does play Pepe, he's got the pace to take on Van Dijk. Um, but I just don't know. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna plan for a, it's either gonna be a two-one Liverpool win or it'll be a narrow. It'll be a tight draw. I can't see a stuffing this time. Please, God, don't let it be another Anfield hammering. Um, but that's it. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And um, I will do a pre... I'll do a post-Liverpool game. And I will be doing a, a pre-Tottenham pod um, and a post-Tottenham pod. Uh, but thanks for listening to this one. Share it. Come and join in. I said before, come and see. Come and chat to us on all, all the fo- um, social media formats, Twitter, Facebook... And, of course, on fanvibe.com. Yeah, thanks for listening and keep it real. Cheers, Gooners.